What's going on? What's up? We here, we rocking here on Jackson Nerds United, aka JNU, brought to you by 265 Media. I'm your host, Jay Kristen. Here at JNU, we blend the line between the jock and the nerd. This episode, I'm gonna give a little history on why I love this game of basketball. I've briefly mentioned it before, but we're gonna get into some detail. I'm gonna break down the game of basketball. Hell, I may even show I know this game better than some coaches, pro and amateur. And of course, we're gonna take it to the deck. So, Jan Yu, Jackson Nerds, let's get it. So, my favorite sport is basketball, as we know. But I have to say, football is definitely a close second. But no matter what anybody says, everybody knows basketball is definitely my first love. Uh, I grew up in Queens, Flushing, Queens to be exact. And there was always a park to play in, to play ball. Um, I lived in a housing project called Pominac Housing. And... Oh, shout out to all of the homies that's um, from around the way that was a part of, you know, my upbringing. Y'all definitely be a part of who I am. You know, the good old days, man. We had some fun out there on them courts. Anyways, <laughs> like I said, it, there was always a park to play in. Depending on the level of competition you wanted to deal with that particular day, determined the park that you went to. You know, for example, you got... The bums over there that you want to just kind of, you know, stay sharp with because you don't want to play too hard. Then you got the super competition over here. Then you got, you know, where all of the all of your boys hang out over here. And then you got the empty park over there where you could just work on whatever you want to do. So you always had uh, a place to do whatever you needed to do to play basketball. Um, see, my pops play actually is what hooked me and eventually you know i fell in love with the game and i gotta say you know pops pops was good you know i'm not saying that because he's my pops i'm saying that because he could hoop um i actually still play basketball with him every thursday to this day um i'll never take that for granted uh it's always fun every thursday i always look forward to thursdays uh growing up uh, I would come home from school and play basketball. During the summer, every day, I would wake up, eat breakfast, and I'd play basketball. I was the first ones on the court, and I was the last one to leave, you know, when it got too dark. Anybody from around the way would tell you when they got to the park, if I went to that particular park, I was already there. So... That's just what I did. It was just basketball, basketball, basketball. Okay, now that I've given you a quick history of the origins of my love for the game, let's talk about the game of basketball. I'm not just talking about, you know, running, shooting, and jumping. 
I'm talking about the game of basketball. So I have a love-hate kind of a feeling when it comes to evolution of the game. You know, in my previous episodes, I've mentioned that briefly. Um, sometimes I love love some things, and sometimes I hate some things. It's just what it is. Um, all right, so one of the pros I like is the athleticism. You know, growing up in my era, uh, you had MJ, Clyde, Chuck. A little before me was Doc, one of my favorite dunkers. Actually, he's my number one dunker all time. Is Dominique. You had Kemp um, and a handful of others that were just super athletic, you know, back then. It wasn't everybody. Nowadays, there's kids on the end of the bench who are doing athletically what those super freaks uh, uh, of nature then that I just mentioned we're doing so you got kids that just just do what Dominique was doing you know and they're not even really that good they're on the team but you know they athletically they're literally on the same level as those guys who are head and shoulders above the rest um the skill level uh the skill of these cats um is on another level you know the the kind of shots that they're taking and, and things like that offensively uh, are on another level. So I, I got to give them that. Um, I love the global aspect of it. It was, naturally basketball was always an international thing, but it wasn't as sparkly and, and, and grand globally as it is now. Um, I remember the kickoff of that was when the Dream Team uh, went and they pretty much demolished the the international competition. Um, and of course, you know, Michael Jordan, you know, he was just a global icon. Um, you know, that was actually the late commissioner um, David Stern's, you know, goal, uh, dream was to globalize basketball. And Michael Jordan pretty much was his golden goose, for lack of a better term. Um, when David Stern started, Jordan started, and boom. There you go. So I do like the global aspect of it because it, it's it's showing the that basketball is a great game. And, you know, being that I love the game, I want everybody to think that. <laughs> um, go cons. With the evolution of the game came... The excessive amount of three-point shooting. Now, I hate to sound old school. You know, I don't mind the three. I don't mind it at all. But there is such thing as shooting too many threes. Um, with Steph Curry recently becoming an all-time three-point leader, big ups to Steph, by the way, I can say he's probably the greatest shooter of all time. Um... I'm still standing on this con, though, even though Steph is a beast. Um, because everyone's not Steph Curry. I can admit, these young cats coming up, they shooting. They can shoot. But it's something, you know, they work on. And some of them are good. Some of them are bad. But there's always, you know, you can take too many. Every, you know, you live and die by that three-point shot, no matter how good you are. You know, when I'm watching NBA, NCAA, 
uh, in high school, you know, I see six, seven straight possessions for each team. Three-point shots. That's 10 to 12 straight three-point shots. And maybe four makes. It drives me crazy to see that. You know, there's easier shots to take than a three-point shot. Um, I respect what the game has become. Don't get me wrong. You know, I'm not a, you know, you should play like this, you know, and that's it. You know, I'm not that old school. Um, but no matter how you cut it, smart basketball is smart basketball. Four out of 12 is 33%. Some of uh, the shooters in the NBA, the NBA averages is about three, 33% for a three-pointer. You know, and that's not bad, shooting threes. But understand, that's not that many. <laughs> it's not that many makes compared to how many you shooting. You know, you know what, what it boils down to is it's more misses than makes. That's four, that's too many empty possessions to have. You know, two out of six is 33%. That's four misses. So that's four empty possessions. Bottom period. Look, missed shots happen. But six, seven straight possessions taking a three-point shot that in the M on the NBA level averages about 33%. It's not necessarily the smartest shot in basketball to take back to back to back to back. All right. Here's some context, right? Steph in the last two seasons has shot about 22, 20, 22 shots a game, right? 22 uh, last year and this year he's at about 20. Both seasons he shot 13 of those 22s, those 22 shots, or those 20 shots, were three-pointers. Out of those 13, five were makes. That's phenomenal shooting. That's about 40%. Uh, that's about 40%. 42% last year he shot. That is crazy three-point shooting. Now think about that. Five out of the 13 is phenomenal shooting. That's still eight misses. And like I said before, that's great shooting. For Steph Curry, everyone is not Steph Curry. <laughs> so guys ain't shooting no 40% from three. The average player in the NBA is not shooting 40% from three. So that three-point love is just such a con in this game of basketball um, that has the part of that it's become. Uh... It's become such a big part. Now the three-point shot, again, it's a big shot. I Look, again, I am not one of those older casters like, yo, yo, youngers don't know. You know, you'll be shooting all them threes. No, I mean, if you got it, you take it. But be smart. Again, smart basketball will always be smart basketball. 
I'll give you an example. So when I was younger, Michael Jordan was the man. Um, and everybody wanted to do those floating backwards flip shots, you know, and, and he did it. He made it look easy. But when I was younger, what I didn't get was everybody's not Michael Jordan. Coaches will remind you of that. You, you, you go out there and you do some spinning, turning, flip shot, and you miss. I don't care if it's, if it just, if it's just a, a close miss, if you almost made it. Coach is like, yo, what are you doing, son? That's a terrible shot. You went into traffic, spun around, and shot a backward shot or a flip circus shot. It's not a smart shot. So that everything, everything that coaches would tell you is take a smarter shot. And at that time, that's where the game was becoming, this athletic kind of a, a thing, because Michael Jordan was the man. We fast forward, Steph is one of the guys who's the man. And everybody wants to shoot. And it's not always the smartest shot. I get it. You want to you wanna be knocking down threes like Steph. And Steph is shooting from long range. Again, if you can shoot it, if you can make it, take it. But understand, a dumb shot, even if you make it, is still a dumb shot. You just, it's just a, a, a sigh of relief for your coach and your teammates when you do make it. Um, another con um, is the development uh, of these young guys who are coming up, man. They're so physically talented. It's, it's crazy. Um, but the development that is so focused on offense that defense is just kind of brushed to the side. And we all know defense wins championships. Period, period, period. Um, I see trainers teaching, teaching kids how to score, but not how to stop someone from scoring. You know, there is such thing as playing defense. You know, if you can score, but your, your opponent scores just as many as you do, you might as well have scored nothing. You score 20, the guy you guard scores 20. That's zero. That's just, just how it goes. So all of that, a lot of guys, you know, get, get to chirping, you know, yeah, that was nice. Yeah, you got 20, though, but so do I. So if you look up and your team is losing, then you just scored zero and your team is losing. I scored 20. I scored zero. Not 20. I scored zero because you scored 20. I didn't stop you just like you didn't stop me, but my team is winning though. Because you didn't stop me. Now, I didn't stop you either. But here's the thing. If you learn, look, they have to, you have to understand that if you average 25 and I hold you to 20, I, I win. Individual. As an individual uh, uh, effort, I won. Because the 25 that you are averaging, that you do every game, you just scored five points less. That's five points that my team doesn't have to make up. It's just, it's really that simple. You know, trainers aren't teaching de defensive reaction drills um, that we used to get 
We used to have to do all the time, all the time. You know, you get the, all right, we're not going to have, um, we're going to be practicing with, with no ball, you know, until the end where we scrimmage. So here we go. We're doing defensive drills. And then you have the coach pointing left, pointing right, pointing forward, pointing back. And he's mixing it up and you have to be quick and be quick and react to whatever he's doing, what direction he's, he's pointing at. You know, so those, um, those kind of drills matter because you'll be surprised how, you know, you, you get quick on your feet or you get quick at reacting just from a drill alone, just for doing drills alone and practicing that. It's going to be hard for an opponent to score on you and get by you or get the space they need because your reaction is good. It's better. It's quicker. It's cleaner. You don't have to reach. You can get your feet under you to jump up and challenge the shot better. Those things matter. They, don't, they hardly, they hardly t- teach that these days, which is, I'm not saying they don't. You know, because I always hear, you know, people like, oh, you got to play defense. How about you teach these kids how to play defense? Yeah, they know they got to play defense, but it doesn't matter because they're thinking like, oh, I can score anyways. Nah, man, you got to play defense. Um, and also part of defense is studying film. 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 I can't stress anymore. A lot of times, um, you know, my, I, I, like I mentioned, you know, football is my, my second love. You know, football is such a complex kind of a game with a lot of moving parts. So film is very much in, a, in American sports uh, associated with football. But f- film is something that is important in all sports. Even refs watch film. So they know, oh, I missed that call. Oh, I got to watch out for that. Now, when you watch film, you understand opponents' tendencies and, and their strengths and their weaknesses and what they really don't want to do and what they really do want to do. So that matters. That helps. And when you're guarding someone and you've watched film on them and you know that they... 9.9 out of 10 times are not going left, then it's easier to guard them. Because you know that's not what they want to do. So you can force them left. He can fake left all he wants. But you know, he ain't going that way. So you can overplay his right hand and make him do something he doesn't want to do. That matters. Those things matter. This generation has, if you want to call this a pro, you know, the new the evolution of the game as far as trainers go, they have created offensive beasts. Beasts. So this generation has developed offensive monsters, but have created defensive mice. These dudes, these these young cats can't guard. They're way out of a wet paper bag. You know, it's, and you know, you also have to be a little bit of a dog to be a good defender because it's, it's reaction. You know, you can't, I can't teach, you can teach somebody how to shoot a basketball, but you can't teach somebody, um, how to, to guard someone, um, as a textbook thing, like here's the first step, here's the second te- step. No, defense is, defense is reacting. 
all the time. You don't know what they're going to do. You have to react to it. The better you react, the better defender you are. And one of the last um, cons I have is the basketball IQ. Again, this is a combination of defense and offense. You got so many trainers teaching these kids how to be these offensive monsters and they become them. Uh, when I, man, I play uh, on, you know, at gyms and stuff like that. And these young kids, man, they, without trainers, these kids are a problem. They're good. They can do a lot of things offensively. But me as a, as the OG, I'm still schooling them because they can't guard anybody. And when I'm guarding them, they're quicker. They're faster than me. They're probably, not probably, they're jumping higher than me. But I'm smarter. So a lot of the things I realize they're not going to do or they don't want to do, I make them do. And they just, yo, OG, you know, you know I couldn't do that. Because I know you're not going to do, I know you're not going to shoot the jump shot. So what am I going to guard your jump shot for? So you could blow by me? You're 100 times faster than me. <laughs> so it's simple. Little things like that aren't taught. Little things like that aren't taught. You have to teach IQ. That's basketball IQ. It doesn't make sense to guard something that's not going to happen. It doesn't make sense to jump for a block that's not, that they're not even going to shot. On a shot, they're not even going to try to shoot. But you only do that with IQ, by playing the game, by paying attention. That's not taught. That's crazy how that's not taught. Recognizing and teaching everything you do on the court matters, no matter how small of a detail it may seem. What I mean by, even if you're not the one with the ball, you can still affect the scoring of the basket. Like, for example, if you, you're running a fast break and it's a three-on-two, you got the guy in the middle running and you got the two guys on the outside running their lanes. If those guys don't run their lanes, then those two defenders can stop three guys. Now, if you run your lane, even if you don't touch the ball, you running that lane can determine whether they, your team scores that basket or not. For example, let's say you can shoot. You're a jump shooter. You don't, if you don't try to get open, or if you stay away and you have slashers, and the other team knows this guy can shoot, you don't necessarily have to be demanding the ball every time. Give me the ball. Give me the ball. Because you can shoot. Everybody in the gym and their mama knows you can shoot. And the guy who's defending you knows who you can shoot. So, as long as you can literally stand, and if that guy has to stay connected to you, defensively, what I mean by connected is he has to stay close to you, that leaves room for the rest of your guys to slash, to get rebounds, and score. And you didn't even touch the ball because you understand that it's not always necessarily about me getting the ball and putting it in the basket. Other things I can do can affect 
the scoring of the game. That's something that is not taught. It's not taught. And that's part of basketball IQ. And that's, again, back to film work and things like that. It's important. You have to teach these kids to recognize and react. You can tell them, you know, what to do till you're blue in the face. But if they don't recognize it, then it's, it doesn't matter. It's just a bunch of kids running around throwing an orange ball with black stripes on it in a hoop with a net. There's, there isn't any, it takes away the game of basketball. We have to teach and we have to do and keep the evolution of this great game um, moving forward by teaching the game, not teaching them small little aspects and then making them great in that little aspect and saying, you're a great basketball player. No, you're a great rebounder. You're a great shot blocker. You're a great shooter. But you're not a great basketball player. Basket to be a basketball player, you have to play the entire game of basketball. Everybody has strengths and weaknesses. Dennis Rodman, one of my favorite players of all time. He wasn't putting up a whole bunch of baskets. But he definitely understood the entire game of basketball. He was a basketball player. Knowing your roles and things like that. So keep up the offensive juggernauts that you're building, trainers. Young guys, if you want to learn to score, do it. But demand that whoever is teaching you, teach, teach you also how to defend. Teach you how to be a smart basketball player. Because I'm telling you now, coaches will take a complete basketball player who does everything well over a guy who does one thing well. And if that guy who does everything well has a, a better basketball IQ, it's a wrap. It's a no-brainer. See, there's an old state, there's an old phrase. It says um, that everybody uses. It's jack of all trades, master of none. See, but what a lot of people don't know and this is relative to being a complete basketball player. What a lot of people don't know is the complete phrase. It's, that's only part of it. See, that jack of all trades, master of none. But a jack of all trades is still better than a master of one. That is the complete phrase. So if you could do everything with your strengths and have a basketball IQ and be that guy of all trades, guess what? That coach is running to you before he could, he's running to that guy who could outshoot you any day because he knows you can shoot, you can score, you play defense, wherever he needs you, he can put you. There's no limitations because you're a complete basketball player and you know the game of basketball. Anyways, that's my take on this great game of basketball. I mean, there's so much more to it. I could talk for hours. 
Um, but I just wanted to give you a piece of how I think and and how I see the game of basketball. It's such a such a fun thing to do just to work out. If you want to be serious, it can open so many doors of opportunity. Uh, so it's it's a great game. Do your thing. Play basketball. Get out. Be active. Come off the games. Come off the sticks. Uh, the video game sticks. Um, don't stop. I mean, video games are cool. Just, you know, go outside. You know, run around a little bit. All right, young guys? To the OGs out there, yo, let's teach these kids how to play the game of basketball. Let's not just teach them how to how to how to shoot and jump. Because there's more to the game of basketball than just shooting and jumping and running around on the court. Alright, so let's move on to the next. Alright. Alright, here's the final part of the episode. We're going to take it to the deck, see what kind of crazy question we can find to spice things up, I guess. I don't know. Let's let's take it to the deck and see what we got. All right. Um, so. Question of the day is. What is your guilty pleasure? Oof. So my guilty pleasure I'm a movie guy, right? So my guilty pleasure is probably corny movies. You know, there's a few guilty pleasures that I have, but one that jumps out in my head is corny movies. And one of the corniest movies that I've seen, but I always watch, is called Mom and Dad Save the World. And if you don't know, just look it up. I'm not going to say you're going to love it because it is an acquired taste. I laugh at it like it's the best comedy that I've ever watched in my life. I understand it's corny as hell, but I love it. So my guilty pleasure is corny movies. And that one is number one. There are others, but that's that's the one. So what is my guilty pleasure? Watching corny movies, number one corny movie, Mom and Dad Save the World. All right, that's it. Jocks and Nerds United. Jay Kristen out. Peace.